0: Hi, I'm Dr. John Neufeld, and today on Truth in Life Today, our topic is an exciting one. It's about conversion. What does it mean to encounter Christ? It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. Uh, Sometimes we call it being born again. Sometimes we call it encountering Christ. Sometimes surrendering our lives into the hands of Jesus or even welcoming Christ to become the center of our lives. Here's what the Bible says about that encounter. I'm reading 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God, says the scripture. So there is that initial first encounter with Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us that that we are lost in sin. Wages of sin, says the book of Romans, is death. We are by nature, says the book of Ephesians, um, objects of God's wrath. That's because God is righteous and we're not. That's because God demands of us holiness, and we haven't returned it. That's because God has provided everything that we presently have, including the air that we breathe and the clothes that we wear and the healthy bodies that we live in, and yet we have not returned thanks as we ought. And there's this distance between us and God. But when anyone encounters Christ for the very first time, The Bible says they become a new creation. Something on the inside is radically changed. It's never the same after that. Any initial counter with Christ changes not only who we are, it changes what we want, it changes how we view life, it changes how we view the world, it changes what we want our lives to become. In short, what we actually do is we give our lives or we give our hands into the hands of Jesus. And we say to Jesus, you can lead me anywhere you want to take me. I'm now yours. That's why the Bible says that's a new creation. Everything is made new. I've got a wonderful guest today. His name is Johann Matis. He's a German guy. Uh, He's been my friend for a great many years already. Uh, he's the director of a, a missions organization in Germany. It's called Multiply Germany, but it also reaches into, uh, especially into Eastern Europe, and then also into a number of other countries as well. He's got a passion for Christ, but he's also got a story about his own personal first encounter with Jesus. Even though Johann was raised in a Christian home, um, You don't know Christ simply by being raised in a home. You have to encounter him personally. And he loves to tell the story of his encounter with Christ and how everything was changed. So I think you're into a wonderful program today, meeting an individual who is a servant of God, who's made a profound impact on many lives in many nations, and yet his own humble first encounter with Jesus and how that changed everything. Well, welcome to Truth and Life today. I'm, I have the wonderful opportunity of meeting with Johann Mates. Um I know his name is Johann, and we usually say John in this country, but then I'd be John and you'd be John and it wouldn't work. so we 're going to call you Johann, which is your German name. Uh, you're involved in uh, ministry and missions around the world, but today, we want to talk about how you got to know Jesus. Somewhere in your life, everything changed. So I think you were born in a Christian home, were you? I actually am a- A minister in a
1: lineage of ministers, though where I was born, no one was able to do ministry full-time. I was born in the Soviet Union, a radical um, anti-Christian society, and it was a rather difficult time to even be around because my parents grew their family in a place of deportation. In central Kazakhstan, deep inside the Soviet Union, Climate-wise, it may be Winnipeg, but more so. Yeah. And uh, there was coal mining, rough environment, but we never knew how bad the environment is because we had caring parents and we were attending a church in which my grandfather was the moderator. My father was a lay preacher and I had
0: seven siblings and many neighbors who were also believers. So you've got a, a believing church, you've got believing parents, you've got a believing community around you, but you're also going to a, a school which stresses atheism, I think. Yes. And how did you handle them? I mean, you lived then in two worlds, yes?
1: Yes, it was also um, two worlds in the sense that my family was German yeah. and the Germans in the Soviet Union were considered enemy of the people with uh, restricted rights. Because of the Second World War? Because of the Second World War. And because as deportees, we had not the same rights as other Soviet citizens, mm-hmm. so I had a inner life that was more German, and then the public life that was Russian. Mm-hmm. We didn't speak Russian at home, but we didn't speak German in public. Right. So in the, this way, it was black and white in a way, but also in the faith way. When we come to came to, when I started attending elementary school, everything there was uh, soaked with ideology, mm-hmm. and. Um, The way the Soviet state viewed families was the state entrusts children to parents who are capable of raising the type of people they needed to build up their socialist state, Mm -hmm. so some sort of homo sapiens sovieticus. And if parents were failing with raising the appropriate children, then the state always had the right to take them away. So my parents, when walking with us this Christian path and not allowing us or discouraging us from joining any communist-type activities, that led to a lot of isolation, but also to the risk that we would lose our family.
0: Yeah. So, you know, just to put this all together, I don't think you came to know the Lord as your personal savior. How old were you at the time? When uh, we left that area
1: of the Soviet Union, I was nine. Yeah. We moved to the European part of the Soviet Union, we lived among Muslims in the Northern Caucasus there. And when I was 13, we moved to Germany. And this is at around that time, I began to understand that my life needs a personal decision to turn um,
0: towards the godly things that uh, God was inviting me to. So were you before that? I mean, were you at the point in your life where you just simply said, I, I can get comfortable in living at home with uh, you know, with Christian parents and the Christian community, and I'm going to live within this state as well and somehow just make it work? You still didn't feel the necessity of a personal conversion to Jesus? I was um, um,
1: a very good student in school, and my parents did a great job in raising us, so I was actually risking to be a decent guy going to hell. Uh Until there were pointers that, no, no, this won't work out very well for me. And there was one day when I was 15, when, when my father had to pick me up from the police, Because of shoplifting. Ah. And the shoplifting by itself was, I didn't plan anything. It just happened, but it certainly got everyone's attention, mine too. And I was, I knew. I had a cousin who was in a bad home, bad behaviors, gang activity. And God spoke to me and said, look at him. One day he will turn and be my child. But the way you think you're righteous, it won't work out. So I knew I was living towards a decision and then one day uh, there was an evangelist visiting our church.
0: Well, let's, let's get to that in just a little bit, but I just uh, want to plumb something with you and that is, let's talk about your own experience in a Soviet state. Uh, you're being indoctrinated. Is it making an impact in you? Are you struggling? with you know who do i believe do i believe the state and my do i believe my school teacher do i believe my church did that struggle happen inside you it didn't it didn't
1: i saw the faith life of my parents yeah i saw the church we had all these heroes of faith around us my uncle rudy klassen has been uh, in jail for three terms following christ leading underground church activities we have had those stories um, some of them were only told after will. Some of those stories from my family, I only found out when I when we were in Germany, mm. because parents sharing those stories with their children also risked that kids would share it, and then it would be considered anti-Soviet propaganda. Right. So I didn't know all the bitter truth, but the, whatever light, uh, whatever positive truth
0: there was, I was clearly hanging on to. Wow. So you know, this is huge encouragement for parents in this country who you know, sometimes worry about you know, an ideology that's taught in the schools that is anti-Christian. I mean, what you're telling is a, a faithful Christian home rooted in Christ has a greater influence on kids than everything else that the state can pour into it. Yes, when when parents love their children and model live what they claim, then
1: there's a resilience built in the children that is beyond uh, most people's
0: imagination. So, tell us now. I mean, so you're you're living this life where you're, you know, externally righteous, you still haven't made a commitment to Christ. Mm-hmm. What brought you to Germany? What happened? How did you get out of Soviet Russia?
1: What um, I have to then go two generations back. Uh-huh. My great-grandfather, Bernhard Matisse was a rich farmer, and the, then the communist revolution happened. Yeah. My grandfather, who was a teacher, said, "We, it's time to leave. Uh-huh. Uh, and mo- many relatives left for Germany, for Canada, U.S., or even Latin America. But he said, you know, people will figure this communist thing. And it, it ideas come and go. But then there was a time when all 13 of his children were either in hiding or in jails or perished. And my, my grandfather told me his father died in darkness, he said. So uh, so coming out of those years, then uh, into... Uh, then Okay, I should also say, for 30 years, there were no services in the country. For almost 30 years, no church services in all of the Soviet Union. So it's a miracle that at some point both of my parents found Christ.
0: Uh-huh. Wow. So, uh, you, but your parents are now moving to a place where they're having an opportunity to leave. Yeah. What, did that surround itself with the fall of the Berlin Wall? Or?
1: So, uh, at, uh, so one of my great uncles, yeah. he fled the Soviet Union in the 30s, uh-huh. and he studied theology in Germany in Wuppertal, became a reformed pastor, uh-huh. and was was living in Germany, so that was the only part of our family outside of the Soviet Union. And then he basically, um, or, or his wife, they made papers for family re- reunification. And early 70s, my grandfather, he was actually called by the authorities Mennonite number one. Ah. Willy Mattis. Uh-huh. He, was call, he was let go and he ended up being in Germany. Mm-hmm. And soon later in the 70s, the other ch- children followed and we, mis- we were able to to start a li- making a living in Germany.
0: So this all happened before the wall fell.
1: Yes. It, uh, so uh, we, we got our permit to leave the Soviet Union in Christmas 1977. Wow. And, wow. and the wall led us still 15 years later.
0: Yeah. So now everything's changed. Yes. And, but it's something's going to change in you too because there's going to be a personal encounter that you yet have with Jesus.
1: Yes. Um, so when I knew that the trajectory of my life will be a bad one. I just felt unless there's an exterior power added to my life, yeah. it will just naturally go down the drain. Right. Uh, so at age 15 I had no doubts about that. Huh. And so the power of sin was taking a bigger hold on my life and I felt it. Huh. And so when there was an invitation given in the church. Uh, so an evangelist
0: came to your church?
1: Yes, uh, an evangelist came and uh, I looked around what my peers are doing. Yeah. And when I saw two of my cousins responding positively to the gospel, I, I took... I, it had I, an impact on your own he, life. I, had, uh, I, I then had the courage to also do the classical thing. And uh, just as I am, was being
0: sung in wow. German, So <laughs> wie ich bin. And so just as I was, I went uh, and gave my life to Jesus. So Christ called you and made you his own. Now, when we come back... We're going to talk about what Christ did in your life after your conversion. Yes. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. I'm talking with Johann Matys, who's a, a pastor, he's a missionary, he's a church planter, he's been given himself to a lifetime of the Lord's work, but we're talking about your encounter with Christ and how things changed after that. Uh, you came to Christ at an evangelistic meeting, you sensed Christ speaking to your own heart, you looked at other people responding and you knew that God was calling you. Uh, did, you did you sense there was a, a burden that lifted from your shoulders? Not immediately. My church was
1: great in, in having this evangelistic event, but was very slow and low on training uh, or, or untrained on counseling. Yeah, No one had a good conversation with me so that I would have assurance of salvation. Uh-huh. And so I struggled with uh, assurance of salvation for a few so years. So
0: you came forward, you said, I need Jesus. Yes. Because you were raised in a Christian home, you understood the reality of sin and of a righteous God and of the judgment seat. So you knew you needed Jesus, but you needed assurance yeah. that you were forgiven and accepted in his presence.
1: Some people had an easier time understanding their conversion because they stopped smoking. But <laughs> since I didn't smoke, I'd, I think that somehow was nothing that changed radically. Yeah. I've seen my cousin, who I mentioned before, um, he was just jumping for joy, and my joy was still to come. Uh-huh. But I already knew the living God, and I, was, I made in my heart the decision, no matter how I feel, I hold, hold on to him. Wow. So I started engaging in church ministries and all kinds of activities, yeah. but longed
0: to be accepted by God and know so about it. So that assurance that I'm loved by God, and yeah. welcome into his family, how did that come to you? A lot of good things come from Canada. Huh. And there was a preacher coming from Canada, J.J. Huh. Taves. Yeah. And one morning I had the courage to... By the way, I'm going to say, a man who's made a, a considerable impact in my life as well. So I'm glad to hear his name.
1: Yes, yes. and I had all of, the, all of a sudden I had the courage to seek him out and talk about my longing. Yeah. And when I, when I saw him, he asked me about my, my steps towards God and I, how I received him. And he said, were you serious when asking him for forgiveness and being accepted by him? And I said, yes, Absolutely. He said, then the only thing we can, we, we, what we have to do then is decide, do you believe the scriptures or you don't believe the scriptures? I said, I believe scriptures. He led me to John chapter 1, where Jesus came to his own, but his own did not accept him. But to everyone who accepted him, he gave the authority, the right, the privilege to be his
0: children. So John 1, is shared with you. And there's something in your heart that says, this is true. We did not even have to
1: read that little scripture, the verse 12 to the end, when my life was already filled with peace and joy and acceptance by Jesus.
0: You know, the the role of scripture in the life of every believer can't be underestimated here. Yeah. Um, Because the Holy Spirit lives within us. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is testifying this stuff is true. Yes. So, training a new believer in the Scripture, that's essential. Yes. Yeah. And God's Spirit told my spirit, you are my child. Ah. And that came through the reading of Scripture, John 1, mm-hmm. to as many as received him. To them he gave the right or the authority to be the children of God. Yes.
1: And since then, I've never had a second of doubting it again.
0: Really? So, you know, you're rooted into that, you know you're God's child, but there was something else that was going to happen to you as well, Johan. You were going to receive a call to ministry that would take you on a trajectory I don't think you anticipated.
1: What happened? I um, was uh, on the creative side of thinking and uh, working. And in my little church, we didn't have quite enough space for people like me. Uh-huh. We kind of thought um, in our church, you 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 go outside of church
0: and family to make an earning, but you do. earn a living that way, and then you come back to church and live your Christian yes, life. So is, there's yeah. there's out there. Yes, that's the where, business world where
1: you. Where it helps you to live your Christian life because it sustains you and your family. Uh-huh. But to make an have an impact in the world or study the, let's say the social sciences, was not really encouraged. Right. And, but I found a way where I wouldn't be engineer, but I could also be creative, and that was automotive design.
0: Yeah, I know that there's, there's a heart in you that says, I mean, you love expensive German cars, which is a bad thing for a pastor to love because you can't <laughs> afford those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, they never became an idol in my yeah. life. though. But you wanted to be an auto designer.
1: Before I had a driver's license, I collected 4500 sales brochures about different car types. I knew everything about cars one could know. people said I had gasoline in my veins. (laughs) But one day, uh, my grandfather uh, celebrated his birthday with his grandchildren, and he put up a tape recorder with a tape. A German evangelist went behind the Iron Curtain and preached in some of those churches where I came from in Central Asia. He came back and gave a report, and my grandpa played it, I'm sure, prayerfully. My grandfather longed all his life to receive theological training and become a missionary, but he lived all his life behind the Iron Curtain. So he puts this tape up, and, he, and I'm hearing this report, and the guy is saying, you, you who have come from the Soviet Union, you could spend the rest of your lives catching up with all the material blessings that you have lacked, in the poverty that you know back there. But I've seen the spiritual life of your churches there. This is something we need here so bad. You, could, you need to all be missionaries in our country. And um, of all the grandchildren that listen to the tape, God just spoke it right into my heart. I went into my room and I laid down my life and I said, I'm here. The, again, the classical way, here I am. If I'm of any use,
0: send me. So, I think, I mean, because you were planning a career in auto design, but there was a time when you looked at a taillight of a car, (laughs) and I know we've talked about that, and it's something just clicked in your soul about that taillight. When
1: I was discussing with God the future call, where he calls me into uh, um, a ministry and mission, world mission, I, I was to let go of my automotive dreams, dreams, I already had written with schools that would, where I would receive further training. Mm -hmm. And God said, lovingly, caringly, he said, would you, uh, do you assume you would be a star designer? The likes of Pininfarina or some of the other big names, Yep, Giugiaro. And I said, "Uh, probably not. I didn't see myself as a genius. Probably not. So God said, what is then the biggest hope you could have? And I had to admit. Oh, maybe there would be one day when a tail tail light that I drew will be will, will be in serial production. And God gave me a little time to think about it, and he said, But you know, there are three billion people who have never heard of my name.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think Johan, something happened in your spiritual life mm-hmm. where you said it's not enough to simply know forgiveness of sins. Mm-hmm. I can't keep this message to myself. I've come to know Jesus and there are people all around the world. And what ultimately makes a difference in my life? I don't think you're telling everybody that they have to be a full-time pastor, Yeah. but I think you're telling everybody whatever you do in your life, you've got to ask yourself some pretty big questions. What are those kind of questions?
1: I still appreciate nice cars. And yeah. uh, everyone in my family also follows car- passing
0: cars. Yeah, we were having coffee the other day, and you pointed out a Porsche <laughs> that was driving by, so you noticed. A Lamborghini. Oh, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So I truly
1: appreciate people who believe in what they're doing and are good at it. Yeah. And I believe that every, like in, in, in German, when we say profession, the word is Beruf. Yep. And the, the word Beruf is also Berufung, which is like... You don't follow, you just don't have a job, you have a call. You
0: have a call in your life. On your life, and it can take different, different directions. So there is a priesthood of believers that you can be that to the glory of God. Yes, yes. But I think what was said to you is, however you live your life, in the end of the day, I mean, are you living it so that you can design a light, or are you living it so that Christ can be made known? Yes.
1: God said, is this your biggest thought, your biggest hope in life? And I had to admit, this was quite a small thought, not uh, much of an idea, but uh, making Christ known, whatever means would lead to that, that became then the passion of my life, uh-huh. and especially among those who have never heard.
0: You know, Johann, it's, it's wonderful to talk to you. I mean, I count you as a very dear friend, um, but your passion for Christ is infectious, I mean, you not only got to know Christ, but Christ called you to a life of service. And I think what happened to you is really a template for every believer's life. Christ calls us, but he doesn't just call us. He calls us also to to go in his name and to live a life that's meaningful. I think that's what our world needs. Johan, thank you for joining us for Truth in Life today. It's a delight to have you here. And I know that we're going to have a chance to talk again. God bless you. Thank you. Um, Johan, here we are, and uh, we just uh, completed a a television episode, but there's more to say. And you've been talking about Paul's words in 2 Corinthians 5. Um, We are ambassadors of Christ, Christ making his appeal through us. And the message is be reconciled to God. So that's that's what you're sensing in your own life. God has called you to be exactly that.
1: The South African missiologist David Bosch said the... That in our, evangelism in our age will take the shape of reconciliation, ministry of reconciliation. And he is right in many ways. For one semester, I was a student in Hong Kong, and it was on political science, but in the context of mission. At the time, business opportunities in Hong Kong were just amazing. And I felt, I felt a draw, I, to be drawn into, into a, a different world in a world in which um, I would make a difference in a different way, like um, becoming resourceful and influential. And we all tend tend to desire for that, to matter in the camp, when Jesus actually says, you know, come with me and matter outside the camp. Yeah. So uh, share with me the
0: embarrassment of Christ. Mm -hmm. So I was struggling around these lines. To acknowledge me before men, which means men and women of the world. Um, and so don't be ashamed of the gospel wherever you go. And, and then all of a sudden,
1: I got a biblical text out of context. Those of you who have dreams, share dreams. But those of you who have my word, share my word. I know it's a bit out of context, but it totally spoke into my life. Do I follow dreams, or do I have the word that I have to share? And one more time, God said, business is great politics is great and i truly appreciate people especially christians who are engaging Absolutely. in that those in those realms but in my own life it was a temptation it was would be it would be a distraction so i have friends who are both politicians and business people but god called me to be a minister of his word and so he one one more time realigned me but when he, when i all of a sudden realized he's calling me to the highest calling to be his ambassador then uh, the political careers that would be thinkable all paled, like, and uh, it kind of freed me from inhibition of from men. Mm-hmm. I could stand before anyone in this world and uh, saying, you know, I am a carrier of Christ. I'm ambassador of Christ. I'm the presence of Christ. Here you can get uh, your citizenship of.
0: A kingdom that will never perish. Right, right. I mean, Johan, I I think what we have in Scripture is this calling of the priesthood of all believers and that those who are a part of a secular profession and are believers are still involved in the Lord's work. I, I think that's what you've been saying. Yes. So you're a politician, you're a businessman, you design cars, you sweep floors. All things can be done for God's glory and unto Christ. I mean, the scriptures say that even slaves in their submission to their masters, you could have been a slave in the ancient world and still have done so to the glory of God. But there is a special calling that if God calls us to be a minister of the gospel, it was Charles Haddon Spurgeon that says, if if God calls you to be a minister of the gospel, don't step down and become a king. In other words, every calling after that is a lower calling. And I think you'd agree with that. And
1: I still had to also function in the marketplace uh, when I beca- became a, a missionary. Um, I was a missionary in an area that would not allow for that kind of activity. So I became a student. I wrote a doctoral dissertation in history and researched, worked alongside others in the university in a, in a, in a third language mm-hmm. and uh, had to make a difference or make my life work in circumstances that we're not pulpit all the time. Right. But at the same time, I would also say, I have seven brothers and sisters, uh, who, many friends, uh, relatives. Everyone is an ambassador of Christ who knows him and who is willing to stand for him in public.
0: And let's just you know end this by saying that the only life that actually matters, when Paul said, for me to live... Is Christ. i mean, the only life that ever matters. I I think that if we don't live for Christ, we're living our entire lives to design that tail light that you talked about. And in the end of the day, eternally, it will make no difference. It's so wonderful being in the Lord's work. Again, Johan, what a joy to spend time with you. I know we're going to talk again in the future. God bless you. Thank you. It's important to face these realities because unless we do, we'll never know what to do next. Well, I I trust that you've enjoyed this this marvelous interview. Um, And the thing that stuck with me is the whole idea that we can spend our lives designing the taillights of a car. And in the light of eternity, it just doesn't matter. And I think there's a call for every single life, whoever you are. You know, examine what you're about. Are the things that you're involved in going to make a difference? Because, you know, God created us for purpose. And um, so we look for purpose in many things, but we need to ask ourselves, is the purpose to which I'm giving my life, is that really going to make a significant difference? Is this really what I'm after? Or am I selling myself short and giving myself to short-term gains and sacrificing eternity? The call is to come to know Christ. Know Jesus as your personal savior. You know, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him. There's an invitation that Jesus is making right now. He says, come to me, surrender your life into my hands. So let me lead you in a basic prayer. It goes like this, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that you're the son of God, but I also know that you died for my sins and because you're willing to forgive me of all of my sins today, I bend the knee in your presence and I call you Lord and God. Here's my life, come into it and live your life through me. Change me, make me the kind of person you want me to be. I am yours for all of eternity. Pray that and I promise you, your life will never be the same. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, and please make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more interviews, episodes, and Bible teaching content. Uh, Thanks for joining us today.